It has been a while since we caught up, so we are going over everything from comics to TV series to movies and maybe even a little bit more today. Welcome to Panelism, a podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask. Hey, Todd. How long has it been? <laughs> so long. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it seems like every time we start this, it's been a while. And like, as, as uh, you know, try as we may, this year just keeps fighting back against us in terms of getting, I... getting on a schedule. Well, I, you know, the thing I keep thinking of um, is uh, there's just this there's this widening ripple effect of the pandemic. And, you know, because I this whole week, as we were talking about, like, you know, when we're doing the podcast, I thought, wow, it's so crazy to think that we were more consistent during the lockdown than now. But I think just the consequences of all that cooped upness are like hitting us you know, just sort of week after week, it's whether it's good, whether it's positive, because it's like, oh, we're going out and doing normal social things now or negative, like our work's taking us over or we're having crazy tech problems that we can't get past. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's definitely like a, a rippling um, uh, post pandemic lockdown world we're in. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I'm sure others are in a similar boat, so I'm not going to dwell too much on it. This is going to probably sound a little more like a classic Todd and Taylor episode, both both in sound quality, because we're just recording straight to Skype. Um, <laughs> you know, like when we first started uh, way back in the day, we were just recording on Google Hangouts. And or is that right? Google? Yeah, Google Hangouts. Well, when we started, we used to. Oh, my God. We did a Skype call and we individually recorded on Audacity and then spliced oh, that whole thing together. And it was an effing nightmare. That was because for, original. That's right. For yeah. like a year, we were like, why doesn't Skype just have a record button? That would fix everything. Everything. Yeah. And they do now. Now it's like it seems like a no brainer. But there was a time, right. boys and girls, where Skype, you had to get like three separate apps that weren't made by Skype and <sighs> try to daisy chain them together. And it was a royal nightmare. Eventually, Google Hangouts uh, gave us that ability so we could call each other and then just record it. And it went straight to like YouTube or somewhere where we could archive it. It was great. Um, this was even before like Zoom and that kind of stuff. So then now everybody's on the same page. We're just recording straight to Skype. I'm actually sitting in my car uh, on my AirPods because we have some unplanned house construction going on that uh, my lovely wife set up and I was not in the loop. So this is my backup plan. I think it's okay. We'll, we'll yeah. go through it. You're, you're in a much sort of more professional environment, I believe. If, if, uh, oh, but if, let's not your... forget that we did try to do this a couple of weeks ago where we were both in like our studio environments. Yeah. And had so many tech problems, we had to just like call it. I mean, it was like a you right. know, get, canceling it for a rain, you know, the baseball game getting canceled for rain or something. It was like, oh my god, it's been a half an hour. Let's just pull the plug. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah, so, yeah. Wow. It's well, and this, you know, it kind of takes us back to when we first started this. Part of the part of the fun was we're just gonna like, you know, 
We're yeah. just going to go and keep making it better as we go and just as, as free and free-flowing as we can get it. And the more sort of casual, the better. So maybe we could recapture some of that early Todd and Taylor show magic. I don't know. We'll yeah, I agree. Plus, I have fond memories of sitting in a car in a Starbucks parking lot on my earbuds talking to you and Emily about Game of Thrones. Yes. Because – we, I had like just moved back to California and had nothing set up. I don't even think I had an apartment at that point. I was staying with friends and, you know, just went and got a cup of coffee and sat in my car to talk about the latest episode for Wednesday in Westeros. So I forgot about that. How long have you been in California? Remind me. Like this time. Uh, all all told 13 years, but the re- most recent has been five. I mean, I've been back here for five. So that's how long we've wow. been doing this show, which is crazy. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, because we started that one year I was in Nashville, and I had to have something to do um, in that place. And, uh, yeah, then I got nice. left there again. How are things How are things going since we last chatted? All good? And busy, obviously. <laughs> busy. I mean, busy for me, too. Yeah, busy. Um uh, yeah, I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing, like, a, a, a post-pandemic FOMO of, like, I want to do all the things. And for me, that just means really dorky, geeky stuff. But I'm sort of overrun with uh, the new normal of uh, house duties and things like that. I can't imagine what it's like for you because you have a there's like a third person that lives in your house now that you are fully responsible for or at yeah, least 50 percent responsible for. She's quickly <laughs> evolving, too. Like she's almost she's <laughs> almost crawling and walking. It's like, holy shit, here we go. This It's like every. Every time I think I've sort of mastered the the level of the video game that we're on, she she upgrades to another another form, right. and I'm like, oh shoot, we got to start all over again. Not all over again. That's that's incorrect. But like, no, I, yeah, of course, it's a resource drain, right? It's like, yeah. uh, it's uh, <laughs> what do you call that in the video game where you just you just kind of get the grind? You know, you got to grind for a while before you level up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, you said you said FOMO, so I'm curious if you have caught up on anything. You'd sort of mentioned off offline a, you know, a few shows, maybe. I'm just, I'm, I guess, yeah. Take take us down the road because I, I want to see what you're, yeah, yeah. you're catching up on. Well, it's it's funny because these are all things that like uh, circumstantially have just sort of fallen into my my vision, uh, as it were. So I think we're I'm on the recorded record with you in talking about Wandavision and saying, oh, dude, I just I can't even get past episode two, mm-hmm. and. I, I, at, at your urging had like started episode three and then was just fast forwarding and like I'd heard about some interesting scenes and I'm like doing the thing where I'm like just basically fast forwarding to see if that scene would, would keep me hooked. I forget about it for months, I guess. I don't know how long it's been out. Um, and my 10 year old niece who we are trying to get on this podcast because she has got some opinions for Mr. Joss Whedon. And his uh, run on the Avengers movies. Um, mm. But anyway, uh, she uh, – I was hanging out with my brother's kids last week in Nashville and um, uh, was forcibly wa- made to watch WandaVision Episode 3 and had my – the top of my skull blown off <laughs> by <laughs> sitting down to watch that. And promptly got back to California and just binged the rest of the series, like just, you know, lying on a beanbag in front of my TV. Um, so that I am still struck by the juxtaposition of how much I disliked the first episode and how much I liked 
the the last six episodes of, or you know, episode three through nine, I guess. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, this part of me, this sort of cynical, critical part of me, wants to wants to, you know, like they have critical opinions on it. Like, how, you know, that what a bad start to that. Like, they should have hinted at what was to come or whatever. I don't know how to how to parse that, but. You know, it's it's a thing where I will I'll never go back to watch that first episode. I struggled through that twice, I think, and was just like, "What is going on? I hate everything about this." Now you but, can go back to rewatch it, even knowing how it ends. Right, right. Like to me, it was it was they did such a good job of recreating like an episode of like, uh, like what do you, what do I want to say? That was like uh, Leave It to Beaver or something, or you know, it wasn't even as fun as Bewitched to me, but. um Certainly trying to be, but anyway, I just, I, I thought it was no fun. I just did not like that episode. And but, but what I'm saying is, like, now that you know how it ends, because you could almost, you could almost take, and, and, and spoilers about WandaVision if you have Yeah, spoilers. It, it's you know? been out for months. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, you, you get to that, that moment towards the end where you see how she created the town and all of this. Yeah, yeah. You could almost go back and immediately start watching episode one going, holy shit, this is where it began. And just kind of okay. with that knowledge. Okay, all right. <laughs> I mean, I can see watching the three through nine again because yeah. uh, I, you know, watching Captain Marvel, I was so interested in what they were going to do with Monica Rambeau, mm-hmm. like in the Captain Marvel movie, and so gratified by her story arc in this, and just like that was was I I loved that. Like to the point where that almost felt like for a while I was following that like that was the A story. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Wanda was was like a distant B story. But then when Agatha shows up, I was like, okay, now this is interesting. And then the moment where Agatha is, you know, says like, you know, that's chaos magic. You're the Scarlet Witch. I just all snapped together for me. And I went, yes, yes, yes. You know, like I love everything now. Um, and it was just, it was great. I mean, what a good, what a good series and like, what a, and we'll get into it in a second, but like with Loki, you know, along with Loki, what a crazy thing that Marvel is doing with the timelines post end game. Like it's, yeah. it's really, really cool. I went into it. No, I, I had a hunch WandaVision would be something special. Yeah, um, you totally did. Yeah, you did. But, you know, a part of me really wanted them to recreate uh, the amazing Tom King vision book. Right, um, right, right. And they did, they actually, they, they homage there were nods to it. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is great. But I appreciate what they did here um, because it still leaves open that possibility down the road that they could end up doing the vision comic at some point. Um, even, you know, we could talk about how that could even happen, but I like what they did here. And I loved, I, I think you're absolutely on point. The Monica Rambo thing. Once, once you see where she, you know, she she dusts back into the hospital room where her mom had died, um, and then like you know you see her story. They, that really was the A story for a while, and yeah. it, it the fact that they cast so perfectly that character, you really can see that that's the little girl who grew up to be the Monica that we saw in the show. Um, I just I don't know I just I loved I loved everything about that. I just I loved the bittersweet ending. That more than anything else, I like that yeah. there was a resolution, but it was a bittersweet one. And you know, her she had to say goodbye. She had to leave this town. People in the town are not very happy with her. You know, she didn't save the day so much as 
kind of restored normality with, you know, everybody not being very happy. Um, kind of like COVID. So she, in some ways, I just, yeah. I, I dug that. Conversely, I don't know if you've seen Falcon and Winter Soldier, but that had a more sort of, you know, classic ending, um, where it's sort of like, okay, and it, it's what you wanted to see, but it felt more like, okay, everybody kind of gets what they want. And that's okay. But I like, I, something about the bittersweet endings really hit me. You know, I was actually interested. Yeah. I was watching. I was rewatching the uh, third of the Dan Brown, Tom Hanks, Da Vinci Code movies. There's um, a third. Infer- There's a third one. It's called Inferno. And uh, what? Yeah, it okay. came out like three years ago. The book's been out for a while, but the, the movie came out about three years ago. It's Tom Hanks, of course, and then it's um, oh shoot, I just forgot her name. She's uh, uh, Jen Erso uh, in Star Wars. Um, shoot, what the heck's her name? Oh you know my gosh! I see her. Yeah, I'm gonna have to Google Jones. it. Yeah, yeah thank you. Jones. Um, she's, she's in it too, but that movie also has somewhat of a bittersweet ending. And I'm just like, I think that's why I like it better than the other two. You know, it's, they're all very different. Um, but something about that Inferno, just, it, I, I think it's because there's this bittersweet ending that, you know, nobody really gets what they want entirely. And there's sort of this, I don't know, there's this melancholy to it. I, I, that resonates with me on, on, on a deep level for some reason. Well, I, I, I really appreciate that. And I, you know, I think that's, um, that, yeah, that, that's what makes so much of what Marvel's done really good, where they've, they're, mm-hmm. they're making good movies, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, you, well, not a but, but you, uh, you and I have discussed in the past this, this whole conundrum of like, should it be a series or a movie? Yeah. And in, a lot of times we, we come down on a point like some of those older, older, you know, five years ago Marvel series could have been a series just shorter you know yes yes um and but with, just i remember with the cap yeah exactly that's that's the classic case of like you could have easily taken out two and a half episodes and it would have been awesome or luke cage too you know yeah. um the uh with captain marvel the movie i remember you saying i would have liked that more as a series and yep. i i thought no and then this you know watching wandavision i thought i in my mind i'm playing that game of like okay, well, what if they had done this as a movie? You know, we would have, you couldn't have done a full 30-minute sitcom premise episode at the beginning. But if you did like a five-minute cold open, that would have been, you know, I would have been struck by that in a movie, like depending on the pacing and all that kind of stuff. That would have really thrown me off, you know? And I, I kept thinking like this could this could be a good movie, but I think you'd have to lose so much of the Monica story and, um, uh, and um, the FBI agent and what's her name from Thor? Darcy, you know, yeah, Darcy, yeah, Darcy and ago. yeah. Um, I keep wanting to call him Agent Wu. Is that correct? Maybe. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I forget. I, now that's gonna drive me nuts too. You know, there's yeah. a, there's a but there's a poetry in that the first Marvel like Marvel sanction. We're not talking about like the Netflix co-production, right? Right. But like the first by Marvel from Marvel TV series uses all the history of television to tell its story. You know, yeah, it's almost, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's really kind of cool. But, like, so for that to be in a movie, I think would have kind of broken that symmetry up a little bit too much for me. Um, so I really dug it. Did you watch Falcon and Winter Soldier? No, but I would love to talk about it, because that's another one where I know the story of it, whereas WandaVision, I, I went in pretty pure. Like, I didn't yeah. know what was going to happen. and yeah. And I was so excited, like, Again, sorry, like with Monica Rambeau, I was like, how are they going to make are they going to make this character 
into the super powered person that I grew up with as Captain Marvel. Like when I, you know, in the eighties, when I was reading comics, she was Captain Marvel. Um, and then I, I, she's had like a million other names since then, like Photon, Pulsar, whatever. And so I just wonder, I, I really thought like, oh, this is just, it's going to be her as a human. Like she's not going to develop any powers. So I was uh-huh. so excited when that happened. Um, yeah. Anyway, divert to Falcon and Winter Soldier, because what? that's one where I, I know what happens in the story. I just, you know, the reason I bring that it. up is because if there were to be one of these Marvel series that would maybe function better as a movie, that would be the one. Cause I, you know, the, Oh, episodic, right, right, right. The episodic nature of WandaVision is essential. I would yes. say to a large extent, the episodic nature of Loki helps that show yes. too. I don't yes. think we, it, it's, it's fine. They use it to great effect in Falcon Winter Soldier, but it's not necessary. It's not needed in the same way it's needed for, uh, WandaVision and Loki. You know, it could be a, a great two hour movie and function more or less the same, in my opinion. So is Falcon and Winter Soldier, are they breaking any conventions with like making this episodes versus a movie? Like is, you know what I mean? Like, WandaVision felt like they were playing around with the entire theme of it being episodes. And Loki feels so much to me like issues of a comic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Falcon and Winter Soldier just seemed to me like they were going to make a buddy cop movie. Yeah. You know, and, or a series. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a buddy cop movie that just, I mean, you could watch it. WandaVision, there was something about it coming out weekly that I think actually, even though you didn't like, you didn't get on board at first because of the ones in, one and two. Yeah. Coming out weekly was it, it it worked in its favor. You were able to yeah yeah conversation and have that week in between where you can speculate and do all the fun things you can do with TV. Um, and then again, Loki, you're absolutely you're dead on. Loki feels exactly like a comic book, sort of like an issue by issue series brought to life. Falcon Winter Soldier, you can watch it straight through and not feel like you've lost anything. Like mm. I. You know, in fact, I would I would argue the best way to watch Falcon Winter Soldier is straight through, because then you get there's a very cathartic, amazing moment at, you know, in the last episode that just it works better when you are closer to the first episode to kind of bookend it. And so I just think you know it's and it's shot exactly like a movie, whereas these others are shot more more like conventional television. So it's right. It's got it's got everything that a movie's got. It just happens to be broken up. You know, it's it's almost like. You know, they, they broke up Zach. You know, originally they, when they were going to do the Snyder cut, <laughs> right. it was going to be like as an episodic thing. And then they couldn't, they couldn't do that for, for legal pay, you know, and pay reasons. So they had to just put it all out there in chunks at the yeah. same time. Whereas I think Falcon Winter Soldier kind of had that same vibe where it's like, this didn't need to be split up. Although yeah. I mean, it's still just as good, but you can even see where the episodes start and finish. It doesn't really, there's not a logic to it so much as, well, I guess we could just stop right here. It wasn't like they, they wrote an episode and went, how do we make the next episode tie into this one? It's like, here's the movie, and we'll just splice yeah. it up at various points. That sort of hmm. makes sense, I guess. Um, well, but, it feels know, so, story-wise to me, it, it's, it, it feels like one of the older Marvel series where something happens at the end of Endgame, which makes sense to me, which is that Steve hands Sam the shield and is, and it's basically like, you're the new captain America. And then they 
take that back to make the series where there's no, there's going to be a different new Captain America and the series is going to be about how Sam earns it. And I'm like, well, Sam already earned it. Sam earned it, but he gave it, (laughs) Sam, Sam gave it back. He's Sam said, I'm not really worthy of this. Uh, No one should be Captain America. And then the government, well, well, yeah, there, there should be. So they pick this other dude and then Sam immediately gets FOMO and jealous, jealous of the whole thing and regrets it. And then as, as the, as the story progresses, he does the things that makes him both in his own mind and to the rest of the world worthy of the shield. Um, yeah. you know, he, he's even confronted with, does he take a super soldier serum? Mm-hmm. Yes or no. Like there are things he does because it's important. It was important for Sam to be captain America on his own terms. And I think the, the, where he was falling short of it when Steve handed him the shield, I think the, the initial reaction was, Oh, you want me to be you. And what, right, what right, right. the wisdom, the unspoken wisdom of Steve is, no, 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 I want you to be you, and this, and, and you, and, you know, you're, because you're you, you're worthy of this. You don't have to change to be, you don't have to become me. Because, like, the right. entire show, you know, and Bucky, Bucky's going through a similar sort of transition. Like, both of these guys are constantly, like, under this pressure of, we're never, we're never going to be Steve. Not, you know, there is no Steve, there shouldn't be any other Steve, and yeah, that's true, but you guys get to be who you are, and Steve, you know, Steve can't be who you are. You guys are who you are. Embrace that. So by the end of the end of the series, both guys have really embraced their you know, kind of their true calling, their true purpose, and and, yeah. and the world you know the world kind of recognizes them for it, and kind of it, it, it the world shapes around them um, you know, because they've proven it across. You know, they've proven it to themselves more than anything. And see, that's that's that the way you describe it is an interesting and worthy topic to explore in a series or movie. And then I guess my objection is is including Bucky, who is a war criminal. Yeah. <laughs> and like I dislike his character so much. They and touch on that. It, they touch on And that. it's like they, to me, he's the Kylo Ren of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like to me, it's like irredeemable. You sh- if you want to just you know redeem yourself, go be a social worker or something. Like, but stop using guns <laughs> well he's so so right away he they established that he his entire life is based on that fact that he did some terrible things that yeah, yeah it was beyond his control unlike kylo ren like he really didn't have a choice in the matter but he still feels that shame all the same like they even cut back to him like right away in episode one they show him a flashing back to like you know the 2000s or somewhere around there where he you know he's on a mission and he ends up killing a bystander who witnessed it and then mm. that bystander's father is living, you know, he's befriended the father because he's, he's trying to make amends for that. And he can't bring himself to tell the father, look, I killed your son. And so the whole, he's got this book of people that like the 12 step program, he's got this book of people oh. who have to forgive him for him to be able to move on and process. So he's seeing a psychiatrist, you know, and him, him helping Sam realize his potential is kind of part of that journey too. It's like, look, I, if, if there's no Captain America, then who the hell am I? Like that's Bucky. Mm. And then it's like, and, and if there's no Captain America, how am I ever going to atone? If there's no Steve Rogers to tell me it's okay, you know, you're right. still, you're still a good guy. Then what, who yeah. am I? And so he, you know, he's pressuring Sam to like, you know, you got to be Steve. And Sam's like, no, 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 I, I, I can't, no one could be Steve, but the Bucky needs that. And so yeah. they, they all kind of, I love how the show, everybody, you know, everybody thrives. Uh, you know, finds their own way 
to sort of their their to fulfill their their own their own individual hero's journey. And yeah, Bucky, it's not like it ends and it's all snow and roses for Bucky and like everybody forgives him. Like there's still that shadow hanging over him. You know, and even yeah. though, there's a there's a point in the series too where they hook up with Baron Zemo, who freaking Daniel Gruel, man, steals every scene he's in. And like they need to keep that guy alive because they need at least one <laughs> Marvel villain who's who doesn't just yeah. die and can kind of come back and he's like super cool. But there's a scene where they all go they they go to infiltrate this sort of uh cl- this this uh criminals club and like in Majapur, which is sort of like a a Singapore style city. And they're in there and like they see Bucky walk in and they're like it's the it's the Winter Soldier. Oh shit, there he is. Like they're all scared of him. And you know yeah. and, and Baron Zemo just sort of like he leans into that. He's you know, he pretends like he's still under his control and all this stuff. So Everybody's still, you know, good, bad, or ugly. Everybody still knows that's the Winter Soldier. The reputation yeah. precedes him. Um, it's just how does he, you know, making amends is one thing, but I think how does he learn to 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 live in the world with that fact anyway? I think that's sort of his and and try his best, you know, try to but you, but, try to make up for it. But clarify, like, is he still using guns and shooting people? <laughs> um, when it's when it's necessary against bad guys, yes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> sounds like such kid logic. More of it is like, like uh-huh. less. I, more, I'm, I'm going back through. Like most of what he does fighting wise is use the arm. Like very rarely does. He oh, okay. Actually, have a gun. Um, there's a really cool scene though. You learn, you learn a hell of a lot more about what his time in Wakanda was like, and mm. the Dora Milaje play a very crucial role in his, in his recovery. And, okay. and there's one Dora Milaje character in particular who you've seen before. I forget her name. Um, they, they have a relationship Okoye? that's, no, no, it's not Okoye. It's a different one. It's like one of her sort of lieutenants. Um, okay. That, I think, seeing that and seeing how the Dora Milaje interact with Bucky, I think would give you a new perspective on his redeemability, if that makes any sense. Redemption. There we go. Not redeemability. Yeah, sure. Um, Okay. Anyway. Well, I, I'll tell you one funny anecdote also from uh, my recent visit to Nashville and, and seeing my niece and nephew. And uh, so my niece was working her way through Falcon and Winter Soldier. And um, so she's uh, like she's like halfway through. <laughs> and just one day we go to a Target and we're walking through the toy aisle and she sees a toy of the Falcon holding the shield. Oh. She just loudly is like, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> was it a different costume or was it just the shield? Well, it's like him as as Cap. You as know? Captain America. Okay. And yeah. And costume. so she hadn't figured out that that was what was going to happen in the oh, show. Oh, <laughs> no. If you don't know, I mean, if you're one of those rare people who don't know, it's such an amazing reveal when it finally happens. Right, like, right. There's a whole, there's a whole like Rocky training montage where – you know, he's, he's working with the shield and everything. He's like, you know, physically getting ready. And then he opens up this box that the Dormelage gave him. And you, you know, he sees what's inside, but we don't. And then the very next episode, you know, right away, he comes blasting in in the full costume and the full spiel. And you're like, holy shit. It's such a, it's such a satisfying because the entire time, you know, he's, he's wrestling with it. And then there's even the, uh, they even bring in Isaiah Bradley, who in the comics was, one of the the black soldiers that they experimented on with the super soldier serum. And mm. so, and they, and they kind of threw him away. It was very much like a Tuskegee kind of experiment sort of thing. Um, and he's the one who tells Sam, like, you know, like 
this country's done nothing for you. Like, why would you wear its colors? Blah, blah, blah. And he has to prove to that guy that he's worthy of being Captain America and the, and, and being so on his own terms. That's the most important thing. It's like, and Isaiah Bradley's probably one of the most skeptical of all. Like, you can't be Captain America. Like, what is that? You know, and, you know, this, this sort of legendary black guy telling another black guy, like, you can't be Captain America. That must really sting. So for <laughs> Sam to even convince him was like a really triumphant kind of thing. And then there's this really beautiful, beautiful scene. I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it. At the end, that sort of wraps up that, that particular storyline. Um, hmm. just made, made me tear up. It was so, it was so, so good. Um, well, that's cool. We should talk about Loki, which is blowing my mind. <laughs> Uh-oh, I think I lost you. Yeah, I lost you. Oh, shoot. We'll just, we'll just note yeah. that. Note yeah, that. we're at 31 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you, have you finished it? Where are you in the, in the run? Um, okay. So I don't actually know when the new episodes come out, but I was caught up as of last night with episode five. So. You're almost there. Today, think... today six, six came out today. And is it the last one? For this okay. season. There's going to be a season two, so just keep that in mind. Well, the last uh, episode, which I'm trying to find the episode guide to find the title of it, they're in the void, and Richard E. Grant shows up as old Loki. I yep. was dying. Like, that was amazing. And I, I just, that was, you know, I, you're, you're totally right in what you said earlier. Of like, that has to be episodes. You know, this yeah. had to be a show. And it's just been, and I wasn't watching it week to week. I kind of did three, you know, two episode evenings to catch up on everything. Um, yeah, but it was, I, I'm just, I, I, I love what they're doing with all the, the timeline stuff where it's like at the initially it's, they're trying to make it make sense. And then at some point they just sort of throw their hands up like all the comics do. And it's like, no, nah, yep. it's just good. This just gonna be nuts. And then Owen Wilson is killing it in every episode yes, yes. <laughs> i mean the supporting cast or the, i wouldn't even call them supporting cast it's just like a ensemble like everyone is so good in this and i, I didn't know i wanted owen wilson in like a cop procedural thing. yeah <laughs> you know where he's like sharing drinks with the judge and her chambers afterwards and stuff it's like oh my god it's law and order time cops yeah <laughs> so. yeah there's gonna be a lot yeah. more of that too. No, you're right. The ensemble is is just solid across the board. Um, I was this one was a little weirder to get into until I realized what you said earlier that it, it you know if WandaVision is is true television, Winter you know Falcon Winter Soldier is more like a movie split up into chapters. This is a comic series that's filmed. Like the way they structure the episodes are exactly like what an issue would feel like in terms of where yes. it starts, where it stops, how it hands off into the next episode. Um, the beats that it has, like it really did feel like, so once I realized that, like I'm just reading a series and by the time we get to episode six, we'll have trade paperback volume one, right? Like that's, and then when you, like the finale season finale really functions that way. Um, really like feels like, holy shit, this is the end of, of like the ending of this felt a lot like the ending of the wicked and the divine volume one, where it's just like, holy crap, you're ready for season two immediately. Um, well, it has this, it evokes, it evokes so many more questions that they're going to cover 
in other shows, in other seasons, in other movies, etc. That's so cool. I I just uh yeah, I, I I can't say more without just spoiling every single point of it that I liked, but it where there were times where it got zany in this like nineteen seventies, eighties Marvel way. Mm-hmm. Um there's specifically a, a a scene when they meet the timekeepers and the, you you I mean at least I looked at them and was like well these effects suck and then you realize like <laughs> why the effects suck and yeah, I yeah. was just dying like this is like this is a uh a, a Kirby you know like a Ditko kind of thing like yeah. <laughs> that just happened and uh, I just I, I oh my god and I can't I mean Richard E Grant as old Loki is just a thing I never knew I needed. Like I want a whole movie of his time on that planet alone after he runs from Thanos. Let me ask that was you amazing. This. Do do you think he is the Loki that we saw die in Infinity War, um, or is he a a different, you know, similar sort of events, but a distinctly different Loki than the one that we saw? Well, I, I think. Yeah, and I'll have to. We maybe we do a whole episode on Loki, but I I am curious about in episode six if they fix some problems because my you know because it feels so zany like a, a comic. I don't. I'm not. I'm trying not to get stuck on like the continuity problems of it. But one thing yeah. I don't understand is like, well, if uh, a Nexus event happens and then they go the time the TVA goes and, and prunes that. Like how, like how did it even get there? Because it seems like time would have branched for so long for Loki to become old. Like Loki, uh, okay, uh, to put that in that the 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 concrete example you gave, if Richard E. Grant had not tried to stab Thanos, you know, as Loki, and it had Mm -hmm. instead played dead and floated in space, that seemingly would have been the Nexus event. Would that the timekeepers would have said, hey, that's what we need to go fix because that wasn't supposed to happen. He was supposed to kill Loki. Yeah. But somehow, like, Loki got to do that and then get really old before ever creating this next event. I just don't understand how the, all the variants are of different ages and species and, you know, genders. It's like, well... <laughs> Whenever the variant was created, that seems like that was the Nexus event. You know, they keep showing That's this one single timeline. Well, yeah. if, the sing- if the timeline is singular, then you wouldn't have all these variants, like, at different ages and stuff. So I think they're, like, I can't tell if they're just playing fast and loose with that because at, at eventually it's n- nothing's supposed to make sense. You're supposed to realize, like, oh, this is all a sham, you know? But, um, Well, I ask yeah. because I, I really, I desperately want that to be the aged version of the Tom Hiddleston we saw die in Infinity War, because he describes exactly what happens. He's like, you know, I, Thanos killed me, but I created a projection so realistic, even he wouldn't know. And I floated amongst the debris. So there's a, there's a, there's a thought that when that ship blows up, both Thor and Loki are floating out there and Thor gets intercepted by the guardians of the galaxy. And Loki just kind of stays hidden. Um, and becomes Richard E. Grant, ultimately. I don't know how he gets the costume. That's another question. But I, I, I sort of want that to be the case. Maybe that's the point. Maybe in your own head canon, you, all these possibilities are allowed. Uh, but you're right. There is the question of, like, if, if Sylvie exists at all, that, that itself is the Nexus event. She shouldn't have even gotten to the point where she was you know, on Asgard playing with her dolls or whatever it was. Right. Um, or the alligator Loki. It's like, well, how did that happen? Right. Maybe that's just 
you know, the question of like, what is an alternate universe versus an alternate timeline? Are they the same thing? I think like that's that I really want explored, and I'm sure they're gonna like. The the beautiful thing about Marvel is they've gotten so good at seeding like the next four things so intentionally, so that it doesn't feel glazed over when they get to the more meaty stuff. It's like, oh, we've been talking about this for a little while now, so it's not like they introduce it in a movie and then 15 minutes later, it's you know, you're like, well, you barely had a chance to understand what was going on. They solve it. It's like this lets us really toy with these things. You're going to see something at the end of episodes. Well, not even at the end. You're going to see something pretty soon in episode six that is, is in, that impacts probably the next, I would say, five years of Marvel content. Oh, um, and I, I, for one, cannot wait because the particular actor that appears is just rushed. Like, I want more of him in everything because he's absolutely oh, crushing it. I can't wait I now. I knew he was. I, mean, I knew he was cast as this particular character. That wasn't a secret. But I've always you know, not knowing kind of anything about like how this character should act or sound. It's a character that really hasn't appeared in any of the cartoons, even really. So there's a lot. This of, is like, exciting because I have no idea who you're talking about. So I can't wait to just be totally shocked when I see yeah, this. Yeah, and I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything more. But like I just I I by the time that episode was done, I rewatched it a second time. And I'm like I just want to watch his scenes because he's oh, so man. he's so perfect. I'm like I want more of this guy. Anyway, that that aside, um, what can I? Oh, go ahead, sir. Can I pivot to something that is uh, strangely Marvel adjacent that I enjoyed, which was just surprising? And I, if I mentioned it to you in a text, I, 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 I will have lessened the shock value. But otherwise, I think you're going to be shocked by this. I watched <laughs> Men in Black International recently. Oh, jeez. Enjoyed the crap out of it. Now, that's and the Hemsworth one, right? And that's why I say it's uh, MCU adjacent, because it is Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. That's with right. basically their roles flipped from Ragnarok, where she is now the studious by the book character, and Hemsworth is the fly by the seat of his pants, like kind of drunkard. You know? Interesting. Interesting. And it like their chemistry is great. I just really enjoyed that movie. And I don't know if it just caught me at the right time or it was just zany enough or whatever, but I, I gotta <laughs> you know you're not you're not locked in anymore but if you do need to be you know locked down for anything i i would suggest it i uh that kind of came and went without my yeah. fanfare it feels like and i don't know if that's just because so much was coming out at the same time i think that was part of the problem because what was that 20 like fall of 2019 summer of 2019 i i want to say that's where it was yeah um i mean so much was coming out i think that was part of the problem but i think also i just i'd heard some reviews that were like yeah it's okay but, you know so yeah, if you it, i mean it's nothing good. like amazing but yeah it's it's fun you know that's the whole thing it's like emma thompson uh yeah. you know um uh is it liam neeson who's the guy whose daughter keeps getting stolen is that liam neeson, <laughs> liam neeson yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 you know i mean it's like a great cast again and mm-hmm. just you know just fun you know uh, yeah, I'll watch Hemsworth and, and Thompson do anything. She, Tessa, Tessa Thompson, Thompson or Emma. Is, is, I mean, Tessa Thompson is proving herself to be indisposable. Like, I, she yeah. first popped up for me in uh, Creed, and she was great there, but oh. she, she, you know, she didn't get a lot to do because she was kind of the troubled girlfriend. So to right. see her, like, face and, like, be able to, like, be comedic and, like, she's just, she's a, she's a national treasure, Todd. Like, she is. All the stuff. And I don't think you've seen Annihilation with her. I have not. Mm. I have not. You've talked yeah. about that before. Yeah, she's creepy in that. I mean, you know, or the things that happen around her are very creepy. 
What what about uh what books have you been reading or are on your radar to be read? Well, I've got a I'll I'll tease some stuff and some of this I want to save for a future episode so I won't get too deep. Um but let me start by saying this, I was having a, a, something happened about a month or so ago where I looked at my TBR pile and I looked at my shelf and then I looked at my my like Kindle or sorry my Comicsology TBR pile and I just went I give up. And so I got vicious on uh, books that I either read and was kind of meh or I was struggling through because I had a few that I mm, acquired yeah. that I'm just like, I'm just, I mean, it felt more like homework. And I just, even if I wasn't done with yeah. them yet, I just put them all into a big box and I donated them all. I was like, you know what, Dang. I'm, I'm just going to get rid of all. And purged down, I, I was reading, I was trying to read like, I think maybe maybe nine or ten separate series that are ongoing. I cut that back down to like four. Um, and really just sort of pared down as much as I could. I, I have not been happier as a reader for a long time. I think I got too, I just, I think maybe pandemic, uh, uh, kind of fueled sort of a weird obsession with just trying to read as much as I could without really being as discerning as I once was. Yeah. So, okay. I, so I cut, I cut a lot of it and, um, it's, it's really great. So I, 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 uh, ended up in that time really falling back in love with comicsology again, yeah. just cause, some of the books I had, I, I even like did a couple of things where I took some trade paperbacks that uh, were, on, were taking up room on my shelf that I hadn't come back to. And I was like, why haven't I come back to this? Um, is it because I just don't like the format? And so there's one, one of those was um, a trade paperback. I think I've talked about before called Comeback. Um, speaking of time travel, it's a wonderful little time travel story, self-contained, hmm. single volume. Um, uh, I had purchased the trade paperback at first and liked it a lot, but I just hadn't reread it. And I'm like, well, what's, why am I not rereading this? Ended up getting it on Comicsology, and that is absolutely the correct medium for that story. Um, because it mm. does, it, you need to see it, you need to see it in, in single pa- guided view panels, because certain panels spoil, even if you're right. looking at the same page, certain panels will spoil what's to come. And you need that, you need that sort of, for this particular story, you need that, um, unexpected change, and like, you need that kind of cinematic feel. So, I'm going to get re, rebuying it on Comixology and, and think it's, and love it even more now. So I did that with a few books. And in doing that, I actually, there are a few series I've always wanted to check out that happened to be on sale on uh, Comixology. So I grabbed them and fell in love with those too. So one of those is called, uh, Port of Earth, which has been out mm. for a little while. If you've seen it in store, it's got a black and white cover and like a, a very bold orange kind of logo. Um, I got volume one or three volumes out now, but it's a great little limited series. Um, it's basically the premise is aliens visit earth. And, uh, we, we learn that most, most of the interstellar spacecraft needs water to be powered somehow. So they, they basically the kind of what I can only call corporate aliens come down to this <laughs> do this deal with earth to build a spaceport and, and use earth as a refueling station, like a gas station, like a ga- roadside gas stop for, you know, like the, the, uh, I would say the immediate galactic vicinity. And so they've got these aliens landing, but they're never supposed to interact with humans. They're supposed to come fill up and then go. You're not, they're not supposed to stay. You know, they're, they build the port like way out in the Pacific ocean. So you can kind of see it from, you know, the California coast, but you can't really get there easily. 
there's high security. And so it really is like this, this weird little corporate relationship. And like the planet doesn't really get a lot out of it. I think we get a little technology here and there, but we don't really benefit much from this. Mm. So there's all these questions around, you know, should we be doing this? You know, is this, you know, if we're not getting anything out of this, are they, are they taking advantage of us? Um, you know, what was the deal that was really crafted? They're, they're, they're all cagey about it. Like the, uh, um, you know, NATO or the world trade, whatever world organization made this deal, they don't really, they're, they don't get into the details. So there's all these questions. So naturally these resistance groups start to pop up, you know, protesting the fact that this port's there, um, protesting the fact that the world keeps getting worse and we're not getting anything out of this. And then one day, Alien gets out of the port and actually kills kills some people. And so that, you know, that sparks this entire outrage. Like, we got we to gotta end this port deal. But we can't because at this point, it's so – it, you know, the, the alien kind of confederation has relied so much on this port that now it's an essential part of their, their trade route. So we can't mm. get out of it. So it's, it really ties all these things together. Um, just a fantastic little series. Uh, you know, I think you could probably get it physically and it would just, it would be great too. But the, the art is really good. The story, pardon me, the story clips along at a really nice pace. You get a lot of, you get a lot of flashbacks. You get a lot of like, I like it because it's a lot of comics that sort of, you know, do a near future kind of thing. They really nail how humanity would behave. You really get the sense that this is, this is pretty much what would happen. If this, if, if these events got set in motion, this, I could easily buy that this is what would occur. Like, I don't have to suspend disbelief at all. Um, mm. so you just get to kind of, you get to see, like, you know, xenophobia manifests no matter what it is. You know, if it's humans versus aliens, it's still, man, you know, it's weird racism appears. Like, it's, it's, all of that stuff is baked into. So it's kind of, it's got these interesting political, you know, con- context and things. So highly recommend that. Um, now, I, have you read more than volume one? Not yet. No, that's, I, I have been along with some other stuff but volume two is on my list so as soon as yeah. it's, as soon as i kind of get through my next batch i'm going to go back to that too um you know i did get because jupiter's legacy was on netflix and i was you know i knew it existed i sort of flirted with it in the past so i ended up getting um i ended up borrowing uh and then eventually buying jupiter's legacy volume one and three and just you know, it's it's okay. I mean, Mark Millar, Frank Quietly, you know, two legends. Great work. I know a lot of people who love this series. It just wasn't for me. Um, and I, and the Netflix show was really underwhelming too. It's, I kept trying to I kept trying to find my way in, thinking, well, maybe if I just stick with it, I'll like it because it was it's sort of oddly fascinating. But I just I don't know. I just I think it's a tired story. Like the you know, the idea of, of the damaged superhero can only be. I think you know, Alan Moore said it all in Watchmen, and we've seen it. Right, we've seen it. We've seen it redressed a few times, but I think. And also, after Boys, like Boys, just shredded it. So yeah, yeah. You know, where do you go from there? I don't know which came first, uh, Jupiter's Legacy or Boys, in terms of the comics. Um, right, that's a good, that's a good question. But either way, you know, I'm not not really a fan. But then, then, and this is the, this is the fun thing. I fell into two series that have absolutely become my new obsession um started this podcast i was really getting into image single series so at that time um southern cross east of west um uh oh goodness postal uh yeah no mercy like just these amazing series that you just gotta i got addicted to quickly and consume quickly 
And since then, yeah, there have been years where I've, I've found some stuff, but I really haven't had that same kind of just rocket fuel like I did that, you know, that spring, summer of 2015. Well, I might be back there because there's these two series I discovered. Both of them are, are currently ongoing, and they're just fantastic. And so there's one series called Seven Secrets. Um, mm. It's written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by Danielle Di Niculio, Nicolo, Nicolo, um, and and some other fine folks there too. It is just unbelievable. It's on issue nine, and I have consumed them all. Premise is this: there are uh, essentially a there there are seven. There's kind of a secret society that each protect a briefcase, and each briefcase contains a world-changing, cataclysmic secret that should never be revealed to humanity. And <laughs> each each briefcase is protected by a carrier and, like, a protector. So there's always two. And, um, you know, they're, they're – and, and the carriers are very different depending on what the secret is. You know, so if the secret is, you know, more sort of spooky and, and sort of uh, ethereal, then the, the protectors have sort of a personality that kind of matches that and – so you get very different groups of people, and so they're all part of the secret society. Well, two of the, you know, one, uh, one of the one of the pairs that protects the secret end up having a kid, which is not allowed in the, in, the, in this in this order. They're not you're not allowed to have kids. So they have this kid, and they don't, you know, instead of um, you know abandoning the kid, they take him and they they basically raise they raise him. The order raises him, um, and he eventually figures out that his parents are part of the order, and it's that's you know revealed fairly early on but you get to see like all of this like all of these this backstabbing and plots within plots and you know there's this one guy this rogue guy and this other sort of rogue you know kind of almost like uh uh like you know new world order freemasonry group that's trying to get the secrets it's just fantastic it, it's hmm. it plays a lot like a samurai movie uh, at times it's like it's at times it's like Kingsman. At times it's like a great samurai movie. At times it's like Mission Impossible. At times it's just like batshit crazy and you don't know what's going to happen. Um, the illustration is just perfect. like you really feel action. Like every every panel is is drawn like with you know almost like it's setting up the uh, the effect shots in a movie and like even like the close-ups on faces very cinematic, very detailed, great lighting, just. Everything about it, it's not, it doesn't look like Nick Dragata art, but it has the same energy as Nick Dragata art does. Where just, hmm. it, it pulls you in. So I can't, I'll do a deeper dive on it when we uh, get to the, the first, I think the first trade uh, paperback is out, but there, when the series is done, I want to do a, a bigger episode. So Seven Secrets, definitely check that out. And then another one, another image series called Deep Beyond. Um, you'll like this because it's a Merca and Dolfo book. Uh, uh, sorry, also created by David Goy, Andrea uh, Baracato, and then Barbara Nozenzo, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So, uh, Merkin and Dolfo book. Uh, I don't even want to say too much. Um, <laughs> I'll just give you the quick back of the book thing. They do a great job in every issue to give you the story so far at the beginning. So, here's 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 one of those little blurbs. Twenty, uh, the year is 2085. A series of cataclysmic events in the year 2000 made the Earth almost uninhabitable, resulting in humans living in colonies, depending on technology to defend themselves from the polluted environment and monsters stalking the sea. Pamela Bell, a scientist on a mission to study the North Atlantic Ocean in a region 
where anomalies have been discovered, is stuck in deep waters with her submarine. Before the situation becomes desperate, Pamela is able to send an SOS out, but then she disappears. And then you're following Pamela's partner and friends trying to solve this mystery about what happened to her in the ocean. Um, hmm. So it's got it's got some of that Mercandolfo sensibility. They do a great job of, of really quickly setting up like how the world got to this point. Um, they really introduce the characters quickly and efficiently. It's very it's a very focused story, very tight. You really get you know you, they don't they don't it doesn't meander a lot, so you don't feel like you're you know with every page with every every issue you get pulled in a little deeper and they there's twists and turns but they don't you know like some books like this they might introduce like a whole other cast of characters and you got to figure out it followed kind of these weird storylines not here you really feel like it's an intimate story told but in a in a bigger world um pardon me and they're on I think issue maybe five or six by now so. Definitely check that out too. Deep Beyond Mirko and Dolfo, and then Seven Secrets. Uh, that that definitely is my jam. And then also pick up Port, uh, Port of Earth. I think. You well, that one, like that one, Port of Earth, is like that's the one that sounds the most intriguing to me. Um, I, I I don't know why. Just all, like it's just the right time to have a aliens <laughs> as your business partners story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I th- I think you might even be able to borrow issue one on Comicsology. Um, oh. so check that out too. At the very least, I got oh. mine fairly fairly discounted, so um, you know, buy it if if, if you got it too. And I just, well, I think Port of Port of Earth physically would would work just as well as as it would on Comicsology. There's nothing inherent to it. Whereas I think Seven Secrets needs to be you need guided view for Seven Secrets because you need yeah. the you need to kind of you know how guided view has like the dramatic zoom ins and zoom outs as you right. you hit a panel you see a, a speech bubble and then it. You, you, you flip and it zooms out so you can see the whole thing. You need right. that with books like Seven Secrets. Um, it just, you know, whereas Port of Earth, <laughs> I think you can get away with the, the physical. Well, that's, uh, and I like, um, I'm glad you brought up, um, um, oh my God, it just escaped my mind, the America and Dolfo series. Um, Deep Beyond. Deep Beyond, because our episode we tried to record a couple weeks ago, I said, Guess what? I've finally read Mercy Volume One. That's right. Which is like it is like the labor of the pandemic because the first two issues came out like right as lockdown was happening. I talked about them, and then and it was right around the time Decorum was coming out. And then in July, I talked about maybe three issues, and I remember maybe three four issues, and I remember proclaiming like, you know what? I'm just going to wait till this arc finishes, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to read it, and. I had prepared this whole thing and we're going into our, like I'm going into my day, whatever day of the week that was knowing tonight, Taylor and I are recording and I got to talk about mercy. I'm going to do my homework and listen to that episode where I stopped reading it. And I went back and listened to that episode, which was episode 149 that we did. And I went, you know what? Halfway through the arc, I pretty much wrapped it up. So we're good. (laughs) I don't need to talk about it. And so I'm, I'm so curious about Deep Beyond because one of my hypotheses was I, I you know, I've read a couple of things that America has written and like, you know, I thought Unnatural was awesome and I thought Unsacred was pretty corny and Mercy I just thought was kind of messy. And so I'm interested in, you know, like a series where she is not the writer and mm-hmm. I'm just looking at her art. 
And so maybe Deep Beyond is that blend of sci-fi and uh, Mirka and also art that I'm going to love. Well, I don't know if she's the artist. I think she's the writer. Let me just double check. Oh, really? Um, Wait, I thought when you read it. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, your praise for it makes me think maybe it's tightened up. I mean, I'm a big fan. I'm just looking here. Uh, Let's see if it's clarified. It just says created by Mirka and David Goy, and then uh, Andrea Boricardo. Boricardo, there we go, and Barbara Nozenzo. Hmm. The fonts are a little hard to read, so that's why I'm, I'm butchering the names. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I'm, I don't see. You see at the very end if they say it doesn't have. I mean, maybe you maybe you'll pick it well, up quicker than I did. Maybe it will say you'll be like, oh, that's of course she she drew it, or no, of course she didn't. Uh, I don't know. Well, I saw on Comicsology it said teaming up with writer David Goy. But okay. it also says rising star artist Andrea Brocardo. Mm-hmm. So maybe Mirka and David wrote it together. Uh, Andrea mm-hmm. drew it and Barbara Nozenzo colored it. I don't know. Um, but I'm intrigued. You know, it's, I, it's, it's weird too. Cause you know, we're big champions of the, uh, the auteur work, you know, mm-hmm. the, what, the, the thing that's like the creator owned and, and driven and, you know, it's not beholden to any, uh, market fluctuations kind of thing. Um, but sometimes that's, that slips and we've mm-hmm. mentioned mm-hmm. where it slips. So yeah. You should, well, I mean, I'm, we can do a, we can do a joint episode on that series. Yeah. That's cool. I'll tell you, I'll give you a preview of something I'm going to cover in an upcoming episode, which is not strictly a comic book, but it is called, it is a memoir called the way she feels. My Life on the Borderline in Pictures and Pieces by Courtney Cook. And it mm. is uh, her memoir of, um, of, of growing up with uh, borderline personality disorder. Oh, and wow. it is, and it, so it is like um, punctuated with drawings throughout uh, that aren't strictly like comic book, but it does give it an, an interesting flow where like there's, there's whole sections where it's just full page drawings. Um, but then there are these essays where she has, you know, drawn, like she has illustrated things, uh, you know, events of the, of the essay. And it's just uh, really interesting to read. And I'm only ugh, like a third of the way through it. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, just loving the style of it and just that it's kind of pulling apart that, you know, that expectation of like what a memoir is versus like whether it's a print geez a uh, prose memoir or a comics memoir you know how did you stumble onto this interesting story uh i took a writing workshop from courtney cook this spring whoa yeah and it was just a random circumstance i uh just signed up for a a writing workshop on i believe writingworkshops.com and didn't know anything about her and then read that you know, this was, she, her memoir is coming out and I just pre-ordered it. And so I only got it like last week when it was released. Um, yeah, just, uh, excited to read it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I think that covers a lot of good potluck catch-up stuff. For us. Yeah. There's no, as, as always, we intend to get back to our one book per show. <laughs> routine yeah. we we loved that so much and we were like every time we get in a thing where we're like we got the engine running no problem something you know like gets stuck in the spokes and the whole thing falls apart which is what happened a couple of weeks ago although i'm as i'm saying now i think that was a blessing because 
if I'd done a third show about mercy, it would have been too much um, <laughs> and very repetitive. So it's good to talk about fresh stuff that's entertaining us um, and refocus us on those refocus us on those uh, books that are coming up, you know. I've well, got I've, I, I've borrowed my limit of 50 books from Comixology, so I've got to <laughs> plow through them or return them all. <laughs> I, I would argue, you know, as, as hard as it is to do, I would I would very much argue for or rather make a case for just declaring uh, TBR pile bankruptcy. And, just, I, you know, yeah, just let it go and just and start because you never you, at some point the TBR pile becomes more obligation than enjoyment. Yeah. And that's where I just I, it hit me that way. I was like, you know, I'm just, why am I just reading books that I'm just not? I don't want to call them mediocre. They're just not hitting me as well, they should. And that's I just move on. You know, I don't have to struggle. I yeah, I, I take inspiration from you calling it bankruptcy, and you know, it was a little bit easier for me to practice during lockdown. Like I would, you know, I'd read five, ten pages and go, no, it's not for me, and I'd go on to the next one, just return it. But what uh, I unintentionally did was I pruned my comicsology borrowed shelf into basically a wish list. Mm. And so I need I think what I need to do is go add those things to the wish list and then return them and borrow yes. them when I'm ready to read them. I but that's a great idea. Borrowing them all first, <laughs> then trying to sort out what gets priority is a mess. It's hard. It's hard. And then that wish list too, then you don't feel as guilty about just not getting to certain things. Like, yeah, that's all right. And you can, you know, because you still want to leave some room for walking into a shop not knowing what you're going to get. Right. Exactly. That's, that's the holy grail. Like, if you can do that and be like, holy crap, and you find something you really like, that's, you always want to save room for that. Which, by the way, I do want to give a quick shout out. It was revealed, I think last week, my local little comic shop here, well, one of them, Escape Velocity Comics, I've shouted them out before. They are bringing the book club back in August. Oh, nice. So that was my sort of last sort of checklist item where I knew things would be really back to normal is when that returned. So it's, yeah, it's, it, it'll be a grand, grand thing to be able to, to re-engage with that. I think it'll, it'll really help me be able to talk more about the books I like. And we'll get back into the single book episodes too, for sure. But I like having these potlucks too, because it's, Sometimes there's just so much to talk about that we just got to get it all out there and, and, and tease. Yeah, we got to clean the slate too. This gets it all off our plates. Yes. Next episode will be totally fresh, um, and I will have finished Loki, and we'll spend five to ten minutes talking about that. That'll be amazing. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. And you may hate it. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't want to presume you'll love it as much as I do. But the way this actor is approaching this character is is something to behold. Let me just put it that way. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Well, until that time, uh, find us online at panelism.inc, I-N-K. Um, and we always plug our Instagram, even though we're not very active on it, which is also panelism.inc. But I would say when I had to go back and figure out what episode we talked about Mercy on, panelism.inc, which is just our straight archives of shows, is actually really fun to browse around in. Like, we had – Nothing to do with the design of it. It's the host we use for our podcast, but um, it's just so super easy to like scroll through. And you've done such a good job on like making the cover art of some of the episodes reflect what we're talking about, which cracked me up when I saw the Snyder cut today because I had not seen that picture <laughs> as cover art. Um, you know, I, it's just like I don't need to go to our website. I subscribe to our podcast. You know, when the new episode comes out, I see it. But 
Yeah, that cracked me up. And uh, I, I think it's such a, like a, you know, we always try to just be a curation tool. So go back through our old episodes and, and see what we recommend. We still talk to this day have people going back to episode zero even and listening. Like I look at our staff and like, crap, people are still That's... going back into the, the old catalog. So whoever you are listening, doing that, like God bless you. Like we thank you so much. If there's anything you want to, you know, us to cover, you you can reach out any number of ways. Uh, you get a hold of us. You'll you'll know how to find us. Um, and yeah, I just you know, I I like that some of our, a lot of our content, most of our content, is just evergreen, and that can you know can keep keep using it as a as a great resource. So thanks thanks for listening. Thanks for thanks for chatting, Todd. Um, yeah, it's been we'll, great to catch up. Yeah, we'll see everybody again on the next one, uh, whenever that should be. Yes, we'll see you then, or we will see you at another time.